I'm Tom Dunmore, Vice President of Marketing for Major League Cricket, and this is a Yank on the Footy. Now in year number four, it's a Yank on the Footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 288 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio. I'm thrilled that you're listening. In this episode, I will be chatting with Tom Dunmore, the Vice President of Marketing for Major League Cricket here in the United States, taking a little bit of a detour from footy, but I have to tell you, I have become quite enamored with the game of cricket over the last several months, and I really wanted to take an opportunity to share uh, the story of the inaugural season of Major League Cricket with those of you who are listening, and uh, hoping that those of you here in the United States who are checking out footy will be also considering checking out uh, cricket, especially if you are a baseball fan. And as all of you know, I am a huge baseball fan, but I'm frustrated with the game of Major League Baseball. But I absolutely love what is going on with this new game that I have discovered. And uh, Mr. Dunmore uses a a wonderful line that I... It's kind of a paraphrase of one that I've used, and I tell him during this episode that I may borrow his line because I think I might even like it better than the one that, uh, that I use. Now, today's club of the episode are the Dukey United Football Club of the... Kyabram and District Football League in Victoria. Now, the Dukes have been in the league since 2018, so this is a very new club, and they uh, they don the colors of the Port Adelaide Power, and this league is, is made up of many small towns uh, that all have populations around 1,000 people, so these are, these are clubs that, as I've talked about and I've been become so interested in learning about with local footy, these are the clubs that around which these communities, it's the hub of that community. The football and netball club is just, it's what brings that community together. And I really enjoy reading about uh, what they had going on on their social media sites. And the Dukes 14 and under team won their premiership this past weekend, defeating Murchison Tulamba 29 to 28. Very close game there. And also this weekend, the club held their awards for their... Uh, Best and fairest for both football and for uh, netball. And uh, for the respective clubs, Harvey O'Rourke, Jared Walker, and Josh Kazerl, or Kazerly, and I apologize for getting your name wrong there, Josh, won their clubs or their team's respective best and fairest. And Dukes, I want to congratulate you, especially your 14U club on your premiership this year. Outstanding effort. Now, before we jump into the interview, I did want to uh, let you know that I did pick up a handful of... Uh, stickers for the podcast and if you'd like to get your hands on one of those stickers and of course you can go to my Redbubble page uh, which is on my website and pick up any of the stickers or t-shirts or that sort of thing that you might want Uh, but if you'd like to have one sent to you from me it's pretty easy to do if you head over to my website, yankonthefooty.com, and you can leave, you know, and you leave a five-star review, you can either leave it on the website or you can leave it out there on Apple Podcasts, um, which might be preferable, quite frankly, because then maybe more people will see it there than just on my website, um, yankonthefooty.com. And then drop me a, uh, a message on my website or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com, letting me know that you did leave 
a five-star review, I will get one of those stickers out to you because I, I, I want to be able to share the the uh, the podcast and a little bit of a thank you to those of you who are, are leaving a review over uh, on my website. So if you're interested in getting that, that's how you can go about doing that. So let's go ahead and jump into my chat with Tom Dunmore. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guest this episode is the Vice President of Marketing for Major League Cricket here in the United States, and I am absolutely thrilled to be welcoming Mr. Tom Dunmore to the podcast. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Craig. Real pleasure to be on. This is uh, this is very exciting. Uh, I'm, I am a newly minted cricket fan. I have up on the shelf behind me here, I have a cricket ball that I brought back from the UK about 28 years ago that I've never taken outside to throw around or anything like that, but I've had it and I actually have a cricket bat from a dear family friend as well that's got to be 50 years old up there uh that uh that i is an absolute treasure for me so how did the idea of major league cricket come about because this is yeah this is uncharted territory for this game yeah absolutely it's a, it's a you know transformational event really for for cricket in america and cricket worldwide which is not broken into a new major market for quite some time you know, obviously it's a historical sport with hundreds of years of history and mm-hmm. you know billions of fans but it's largely been restricted to a uh, you know a small number of countries that love the sport and it's rarely in recent years broken outside of that so you know the, the genesis of it i think is a number of things there's obviously been a lot of talk for a long time about launching professional cricket in america there have been some efforts in the past America is obviously a massive country, big sports loving country. So it's very appealing. Um, but what there hasn't been before is a combination of, of this growing audience that, um, you know, that, that can provide a base of support for the mm-hmm. league. And that's grown enormously over the last, um, you know, 20 years, mainly due to immigration from the, you know, from um, cricket loving countries like India and Pakistan and, Sri Lanka right. and so forth. So that's that's built this audience. So now, now you've got a much larger group that can support a professional league. And then we had, you know, some visionaries, our co-founders, who really committed to pulling the pieces together to make it happen properly, not just trying to scrabble together, you know, mm-hmm. games in baseball stadiums or, you know, pop-up things, but build proper facilities, you know, have a pathway to the league with our mind league cricket system bring in players, coaches, ground staff from overseas that know how to do it, um, pay for all that, right? Yes, exactly, millions, yes. Millions and millions of dollars to do that. So raising the money to do that from investors um, is really, you know, the key to it. We can do any of this without millions of dollars, frankly. Um, but but having a really strategic vision that, that you know, is going to unfold over a decade plus that, that is really the key to this, that it's not a short-term idea, it's not a short-term fix or concept. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a big picture, long-term growth of the game, taking advantage as well of, of T20 becoming very popular, a format of the game that is more consumable. It's I love know, it. three three hours-ish. Yeah. You know, it's entertainment, it's big hitting, it's mm-hmm. fireworks and music, much more suited to introducing fans to, to the sport of cricket versus the older traditional forms, uh, though I love them. Um, so, so those sort of multiple factors, and probably the last one also related to T20 cricket, is that that allowed us to sign a lot of the best players in the world to come play T20 cricket here. Because mm-hmm. unlike most other sports, you know, like soccer or 
rugby, um, or the NBA, you know, players are not contracted year round to one club team in cricket. They move around from country to country. So that means we can bring the, the, the top world-class players to the U S to play. And that's a massive advantage because, you know, those are the players fans want to see, right? They're the, the stars they're watching on TV. Right. And right. now we're able to bring them here. And, you know, even MLS still struggles with that, messy mm-hmm. aside. Um, you know, they, they aren't able to get a lot of the top players in their prime to come play in America, whereas we can in cricket. So that helps break through and legitimize the league to begin with. So there was a lot of factors that led to the ability to build the league in the right way. Right. And I've gone I've gone back and had been watching a number of games in the IPL uh, from earlier this year. And as I'm watching those and I start watching the 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 games in Texas and in North Carolina, I'm recognizing faces and I'm starting to recognize names and, and people that I'm that I'm seeing that I was seeing playing in in India. So it looked as you said, they're not contracted. So with the T20, the leagues are short enough to where they'll play a season in say India, then they'll, they'll they have the opportunity now to come here and then maybe they go to the big bash league in Australia and then possibly other parts of the world as well. And then just kind of travel the circuit, if you will. Exactly. Yep. 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 No, you've got it. And then alongside that, they play international cricket for the right, country. Right. So most, most, most of the players do, but yeah, it's a different setup that, that lets these leagues all have those, those players in, in the spotlight because the tournaments are short mm-hmm. uh, and the teams don't exist year round. Really. Right. You're able to have that rotation of players. And that that's a really good thing for, you know, unlike just England in the premier league, having a lot of the top players, or the NBA having all the top players, you know, in basketball. Imagine mm-hmm. if in basketball you could rotate around uh, the top players from the NBA to other countries, how quickly that would build the sport in those countries, right? Oh, that's true, yeah. To see those top stars play in your own country competitively as well. It's not exhibition stuff either. It's a proper, mm-hmm. these are proper competitions, right, with prize money and, and all of that at stake. So, um, you know, it, it's just a different structure of the sport that, that plays well to our advantage. So, how how did how did the the league decide upon? I think I maybe know how they decided upon. Uh, well, maybe not Seattle, but how how did they decide upon which cities that were going to be represented in the league? You know, and again, the games were all played in in two centralized locations. But how did those cities come about as being the ones that you chose this year? Yeah, a mix of factors. You know, we were looking at the top sort of ten cities for for cricket fans. Uh, okay as it exists in the u.s so you look at different things to get to that um, calculation you look at numbers of expats from cricket loving countries you know some other data and research that that we've done um uh, and so you can you can quickly identify those those cities and they are the big cities for the most part with large particularly um you know industries that have attracted a lot of you know, people that work uh, on H1B visas, for example. Mm-hmm. So, you know, high tech and industries are, that are related to that. And that, you know, that leads you to uh, the cities we have, um, you know, LA and San Francisco, mm-hmm. New York, DC, Dallas may surprise people, but it's actually one of the largest uh, expat Indian audiences mm-hmm. uh, or Indian constituencies in, in the country. And then Seattle, which kind of sort of comes right. back to the tech right. piece as well. We have a lot of folks, uh, you know, from cricket loving countries that work at Microsoft, and the CEO of Microsoft is one of our investors. As, exactly, as well. that's that's so, what I was thinking. Is that... you know, it ties in? And that's the second piece that we also <laughs> wanted to launch in cities where we have dedicated investors as well. 
Okay. Um, so in Seattle and San Francisco, um, you know, in DC, we've got local investors there who are, want to, to do this for their community and in their backyard as well. Now, are there plans on having facilities in those cities in the future to actually then play the games in those locations rather than and then bring bring clubs to well, you have the club in Texas, but then bring a club, say, to the uh, the the research triangle in North Carolina and that sort of thing and add more clubs in as as the, the league grows? Yeah, so yeah, two parts to that. Um, we are definitely working to to develop venues in all of those all those cities that mm-hmm. are currently part of the league, so DC and Seattle and uh, the Bay Area, LA, uh, etc. So that's that's a really important development because that makes it really become a full league with those home fans that you can have in each city and a home and away structure of some kind. Uh, an expanded league as well because right, right now we don't right. have enough venues to play a very long tournament. Um, otherwise we'd just be playing one place over and over and over again. So, you know, that that's really important and is definitely one of our top priorities. And I think, you know, we're seeing an acceleration already of plans that have been seeded for, for two or three years, thanks to the success of, of the first season, because it's shown that if you build okay. a cricket stadium with seven, 8,000 seats, people will come and fill it. So we've, we've proven that now before before we and, did that, it was a concept and, and now yeah. we can we can show it works. And it was it was interesting because as you said, you had, you know, it much of the audience, much of the 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 fan base that was there were expats who were very familiar with the game that that, that this is something that they've grown up with and and they're seeing in some instances they're seeing players from their their home countries that are playing there. But one thing I did notice, because if I'm not mistaken, there was, you know, one of the big investors in this is is somebody who was from India, if I'm not mistaken. But you, you didn't have any, you know, when I was looking at the rosters, I know you had a lot of people from around the world that were representing the U.S. who may be here on visas, that type of thing. But there wasn't anybody that was here that was specifically representing India per se. You know, but there were, you know, eight on other, the, eight other countries. Side? Yes, sir. Yeah, I did. I mean, I didn't right, notice right, that yeah. they were all listed, you know, maybe under under the American flag, though. Yes, so there's a complexity to Indian players that's pretty unique. They okay. um, they are not permitted to play outside of India in in T Twenty franchise competitions. Oh, okay. unless they re- retire from playing in India forever, <laughs> which is obviously a big uh, commitment to make. So almost all the top, um, you know, almost all the the top players outside of India mm-hmm. are able to 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 come uh, and play here but the indian players are not permitted now that could change in the future we, we don't know but they keep those players to only play in the indian premier league which keeps their you know league and product okay um you know pretty uh you know pretty uniquely positioned um so yeah that's a bit of a nuance with the indian players but but they they were at because i noticed there were a lot of international players that were playing in the ipl but so they're okay with them yes coming and going that's not as they didn't want they didn't want exclusivity with them yeah they can't control the international players um so they can control who plays in india um but they can't control the the international players and and you know they're not trying to block i don't think they would try to block that anyway Mm -hmm. um and we do have three indian teams that are investors in our our league uh so you know there's a a lot of super kings yep the super kings the the knight riders i know that those that uh I, yeah, I actually, 
my desk in my classroom, I'm a, I'm a school teacher. I have a large drafting table for a desk that's just covered with all sorts of different uh, stickers for Australian rules football from all different leagues and that sort of thing. And I, I do have, a, I've actually started adding a few cricket stickers. I have my Chennai Super King sticker that's gone up on there just recently. So I've been, I, I, I guess I've chosen a side that I want to support. Uh, which, uh, yeah. But uh, it's, it, what, what hurdles did you run into before that first game, before the Knight Riders and the Super Kings played back in July? What, what were the things that, that, that you just kept running into that you had to get fixed? And, and again, you know, you're, you're the person that is selling this game to this country. And, you know, we sometimes can be a little stubborn. There's a, a lot of challenges, you know, um, logistically. It, it's a massive operation to, to bring all these players and teams over from visas to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, flights and scheduling and, and all of that. It's massively complicated, um, you know, working uh, across all the teams, the investments and all of that takes time to work through. Um, but we got there on all of that, which was fantastic. In terms of filling the stands, we, we didn't know what to expect because uh, nobody had done this before. Um you know, and, and it was difficult to gauge. But once we put tickets on sale, there was a good uptake. We then sort of doubled down on where we felt we were having success in the community and, and did more promotion directly, you know, going to Indian grocery stores and putting up flyers and doing appearances at events and, you know, WhatsApp groups and all, all the different ways of communicating across mm -hmm. the core cricket audiences. I will say for this year, we, we stayed pretty focused on reaching out to core cricket fans it, it felt like we needed to show we can fill the stadium first and, and have this proof of concept uh, and reach that core constituency before we start doing a massive amount of outreach to broader audiences that, that don't know cricket yet i think now that can be a year two year three goal to start growing that non-cricket fan group that, that comes out um, now we've shown it can work. Now we have content that showcases mm -hmm. the excitement oh, of the matches um, and, and all of that. And, and when new fans did come out, you know, the anecdotal response was phenomenal. They just loved the experience, the energy in the stadium, even the food, you know, like we had traditional sort of American ballpark food, like hot dogs and, and what have you. But we also had samosas and you know, biryani and, and things that, that make okay. it a little different experience too. Okay. That I like, that. you know, that that merging of, of cultures and uh, yes, you know, cricket does bring something different. We want to find that balance between sort of American sport experience mm -hmm. and the international flavor of cricket and what's authentic about cricket. So, um, you know, we think that is kind of a unique selling point uh, and something that'll be pretty cool for people to experience to discover the game to see it in person, you know, and enjoy a new sport uh, and the things and the, the, the go around it as well, the culture and the, the food and what have you. So, you know, you, you had, you know, I've, I, I jotted down a few names of people that I've been watching that have been, uh, that have been, I've been watching in the, in the T20 um, tournaments and such around, you know, like uh, Aaron Finch and Marcus Stoinis, uh, who I love watching him bowl because he when he when he get when he gets a wicket he just gets this really sly grin on his face like you know the cat that caught the canary kind of thing it's just like it's it's it, I, it, I don't know if that's his kind of his tail or something but it's, just, it's kind of fun to watch him when he get when he gets that when he gets that wicket he just gets that little sly grin on his face which is really really neat but what was the reaction 
of the international players who who play in India and Australia and that type of thing? Is it was it positive to where they're saying, I can't wait to come back next year? Oh, it was incredible. You know, again, we didn't know what to expect from the players' reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, the players probably didn't know what to expect either coming to play cricket in, in America. Uh, but they, you know, to a to a person, I believe, just loved it. The the experience uh, to play cricket in a different country, especially one, you know, that does have a global appeal like America. I think sometimes we forget that living here, that it's really attractive to come here mm-hmm. um, and, and experience, you know, a couple of weeks in the US. Some of the players brought their wives and families. They spent a couple of days in New York or Miami on the front or the back end of the tournament. Okay. So they're able to make it a good experience for themselves personally. Um, but, you know, more importantly, they really enjoyed the competition level. It was very high level across both the overseas players and the domestic players that, that took part, the stadium and the pitch, which is really important in cricket, the actual surface that can kind of make or break a, a cricket match. And the fact that the surface was really good, the stadiums were full, the atmosphere was great, the play, you know, the players and fans were interacting. There was that energy there. You know, every night match was so you know, just so infused with, with with that passion of the fans mm-hmm. and the players feed off that. Um, and that even though they got that energy of it, they can still go out and have a meal and, and not get mobbed, which, you know, most of those players can't do in India or, you know, in other countries. So right. they get to, you know, kind of experience a nice, a nice break from that uh, playing in, in the U.S. So I think all those factors... You know, and they were treated really well, you know, top class hotels and what have you. So it was a good experience for them. Um, and they, you know, I'm sure they've told all their, you know, teammates uh, around the world that this is the place to come play. Yeah, the, yeah, you you kind of broke up there, but as you said, it it's the place. It's the place. Yeah, you said it's the place to come. Yeah, you're. You kind you kind of broke up there yeah. a little bit. You got a little Sorry. bit garbled there. That's okay. But you you said that this is kind of the place to come. But you know, you said that you mentioned that it was it was nice for them to be able to go out for a quiet meal after the after the the match and that type of thing. But in the back of your mind, in 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 a perfect world, you're thinking to yourself. You have to be thinking to yourself, boy. You know what? I hope in about five years, a couple of these guys get inconvenienced every night that they go out for dinner because that means things are going <laughs> well for us. Absolutely. And, you know, I did see at hotels when I was pulling up players getting, you know, bothered for autographs and, and mm-hmm. things. So they, they're definitely getting recognized at, at times. So you, you want that, you want that balance, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. They yeah. can experience it, but the more they're recognized, the better for, for sure. Yeah. That, and that definitely pays off for you then. And, and I, you know, the, while the Texas stadium was, was gorgeous and it was, it was designed, it was just fun to watch the games there. The, the setting for the stadium that, that, that you built in North Carolina was just, was beautiful, just, you know, in the woods and just, you know, it, it looked really bucolic and such. And it just, it just kind of looked like that, you know, out of the way thing. It's like, you know, trees, trees, trees. Hey, here's a cricket ground here. Let's come, let's go, let's come play. It was just, it was a really nice setting down in that. My daughter goes to college in North Carolina. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's just, it's a beautiful state down there. Um, So you mentioned that the, that a lot of the, the players who are, in the league that are representing America have kind of worked their way up through the last few years playing minor league cricket here, if you will. And, if, and there've been some good success stories there that have led to some, some of those players ended up making the jump into this level of cricket, correct? 
Yeah, yeah. The, the minor league has created really for the first time this consistent level of competition each summer. So we, we play about 10 weeks each summer, um, 26 teams, a couple of hundred matches that take place. And America's never had that consistent level of, of high quality competition before. So we needed that two or three years of competition to build these players up. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were ready when they played in, in major league cricket. Um, and some of them are very talented players. Some of them have played overseas as well. Um, some of them are homegrown and, you know, it, it's just really rewarding to see them having put in all those hard yards and then get to play alongside the superstars of cricket and, you know, bat and bowl well um and make a mark too and, and and start to get noticed in the cricket world so i think this is just the first step i think in the next 10 years we're going to see a whole flow of super talented young players come through in america who have had this opportunity now had better coaching than ever before mm-hmm. get to go on to clinics overseas and play at professionals and then get to play in major league cricket and play international cricket for the u.s uh, and the U.S. can get to a, a higher level as well pretty quickly. Uh, they've already got a really good team, um, but I think you can you can see that level being raised in the future too. So, you know, I think that that's a key part of what we're doing, that we are building a whole domestic, you know, base for this league that sets it up to succeed in the future. It's not just a pop-up tournament where we mm-hmm. recruit some players and call it a day. It's It's that long-term planning again that's critical to make this work in the future so that we can widen the, the base of quality players around the country that that's awesome so have any of these players that came up through the minor leagues that 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 played in the major league cricket tournament this year have any of them been contacted by any of the other leagues around the world to possibly go participate in those yeah yeah we're starting to see a couple of players uh, get opportunities um around the world some of them you know, I've had some experience in the past in other countries, but are now having sort of fallen off the map mm-hmm. because they perform well in Major League Cricket. You know, Corey Anderson's an example. Used to be an international player for New Zealand, moved to the right. US several years ago. You know, wasn't getting the call to go play in the top leagues around the world. But once he showed up in Major League Cricket and showed what he could do, you know, he's getting the call up. Because yeah. um, he, you know, but... he got drafted in the Big Bash League, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, and a couple others as well. So that, that's really big, and I think that will grow in the future, um, and that's really key, especially once it, you know, when it's a nineteen, twenty-year-old uh, as well. Uh, that that will be a, a real, a great moment too uh, when they when they get noticed and called up. Uh, so that that's the goal to showcase these players and advance the national team and create this 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 stronger uh, level of play across the country. Okay, what what would you say? if you had to name like the biggest success and the biggest boy, I wish we could have done that over again. What, what were those two events for this season? What were the, what was the biggest high and the biggest low for you? Uh, I think the biggest high were the crowds, you know, not, not the numbers are great. Mm-hmm. The, the number of people that came out, but, but more just the energy and the passion and the enthusiasm, uh, how much they loved it and seeing the smiles, on the faces and the cheers and the flag waving for hours on end um, because that gives you that base. Once you've got those sort of evangelists for your league, your teams and your sport, um, you know, that's how it can spread organically 
um, you know, without without spending millions of dollars. Those are, you know, those are really the, you know, that's really a key to to driving that fan development and support in a in an in a authentic way. I love so that, that line. I that love that. A, if I can interrupt, I love that line there that you just use the evangelist for your sport. That is, I I wrote that down because I because I you know because I'm trying to convince you know the bulk of what I do with my podcast is about trying to get people interested in Australian rules football. And I, I keep, I always say that I'm using it as kind of my bell tower to go ring the bell and say, please check out this game. So I mean, it, the, the evangelist line, I, I, I love that line. I may borrow that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. I think <laughs> I, I, think I took it from one of my old, old bosses uh, who taught me a lot about how you build fan bases and mm -hmm. you know, that those, those evangelists are the key. That's, um, a, that's to, a great way to put it. Yeah. Just, just spreading it. Um, low, you know, Low points. I think there were, you know, there were two or three matches that were difficult in the heat in the afternoon. And in retrospect, we probably wouldn't uh, schedule the same way that we did have some double games. headers where we yeah. had matches starting in Texas. It's always hot in the summer, right? It, it was yes, it is. <laughs> particularly hot this summer too. Uh, in Dallas, it's very hot and humid. So it was a tough ask to get fans and to come out to 330 matches when it was 105 degrees and humid and no respite from the sun at that time of day, really. Um, so we probably would do that a little bit differently. So yeah, we knew we'd learn some things, um, but that being our worst problem for just two or three three matches, certainly would have taken that before the yeah. season started. So, so you probably are not going to be calling the designers of the roof from Marvel Stadium in Melbourne and saying, "Hey, can we get one of these installed before next year?" <laughs> it would be nice, you know, maybe a dome, you know, dome stadium um, in Texas. Would, would I was going to say, good, I was going to say, Seattle, you might need one of those with all the rain they get there. I mean, that's that's going to make it that's going to make it interesting in terms of maintaining the the pitch because I I have a friend that that is involved with the cricket league in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And he hmm. said that the city sometimes forgets to cover the pitch and they get washed out for a week or two because it's just, it's so inundated with water. But um, yeah, no cricket, cricket is very susceptible to the elements. Uh, and it will mean it's a bit different in each part of the country, you know, and those conditions play into how the sport uh, is played. Um, and that's why it's different in India than England or Australia. All the conditions are different. And the U.S. having such diverse geography, you know, I think it'll actually be good for the sport that we'll have players playing in all different conditions, in more damp conditions, in hot, dry conditions, in humid conditions, and so forth. So they'll be well equipped to go to different countries that have those type of conditions, having played across the country once we get those stadiums built. Now, I, I, I subscribed to Willow TV back earlier this year. I think I did back in June. Uh, knowing the season was going to be coming along, but there were, I know there were a few free games on, I think it was Fox sports yeah, this C year, if I'm not CBS. mistaken. Oh, the yeah, CBS, CBS sports, sports network. network. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. is there, is there plans to continue doing that to try to expose the game to more American fans hope, and then maybe do something like that the Australian football league does not do. And then, you know, put a little crawl at the bottom telling people to, you know, to subscribe to Willow TV so that, or something like that. So they could actually watch the games if they're not in Dallas, or if they're not in North Carolina, that's something the AFL does not do a really good job with. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's um, important for us to find those exposure moments, those kind of breakout moments, including, you know, the CBS sports network games mm -hmm. that we did, and maybe we do one or two more in the future. Um, I mean, that that's really key, explaining the game. 
you know you need to find that balance of explaining it but not patronizing the existing audiences watching but i think there's some cool things we could do you know we we thought about is there an ultimate commentary we could do um that you know the new fans can listen to that sort of explains it in a different way using baseball terminology and, and things like that so that new fans can I'll have it explained to them and then <laughs> yeah, there you go and then um you know traditionalists can, can listen to the regular commentary so what are things we can do that make it explainable to that mainstream audience you know is there more you know i think there are more things we can do around the stadium with qr codes and the big screen to explain the sport um same on social media you know creating a series of, of explainers uh so we need to start getting pretty intentional in how mm -hmm. we break out of that cricket bubble and make it accessible and in a fun and interesting way too. That's, that's the key to it. For the people that were new to the game, that were coming out to watch it for the first time, who maybe were work associates of, of expats who are coming, you know, grew up with the game and that sort of thing. Did, did you get positive feedback from them that they were like, I, I wish I had discovered this earlier. This is wonderful. That kind of thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just a blast for fans. Uh, whether you, knew the sport or not, I think. Um, and there's so many people there that can explain it as well. And really, once you're there in person, it's a lot easier to understand it. And I do think we actually have a massive advantage in the US versus a lot of countries around the world in that there is a wildly popular bat and ball sport here that's point, fairly comparable to cricket. And you can use a lot of translating terminology. You know, six mm -hmm. is a home run you know, a run out, so getting tagged out, things like that. If you're doing this in France or Argentina, I think it's much harder because there's not even a, you know, a translatable term because they don't follow baseball oh. or a bat and ball sport. Well, um, and, and let's be honest, I don't think Argentina is going to want to do a whole lot of anything that is directly associated with the UK. Just my just my take <laughs> on it, but. I can't. I don't know. They're pretty keen on soccer, but yeah. Well, true, true. That's true. But but so is everybody else in that regard, though. But... Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But, yeah, you know, I think that that is an advantage we have in the U.S. So we can translate it. And cricket's a lot like baseball. It's there's more action. Is something we say, which is true. I, I agree with play that. More. I agree. Um, you know, so I think once baseball fans watch it, it doesn't mean they have to stop liking baseball. Like I like baseball. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason to stop liking the bat and ball sport you already love, but you can explore another one and find its nuances interesting and its history and how you play it and all that fascinating. So I think that that's a good opportunity we have here. Okay. And as, as we wrap up here, uh, just a couple other little short things there. What can, you know, and I know you, you're starting some grassroots things with minor league cricket, but uh, what are some things that, or have there been some successes with like local communities that have begun like youth, cr youth cricket at the, at the younger levels around the United States, or if somebody wants to get started with something like that, what steps would they need to take to do something like that? Yeah, there are a lot of academies now and youth programs around the country. Um, it varies very locally, um, but they're, they're out there. They're always very welcoming to, to new kids. Uh, and I think especially, to be honest, if they're not from a traditional cricket background, it's everyone wants to spread the the game and grow the game. So they're going to be keen to have kids from different backgrounds signing up too. Um, a lot of that has led into some really good stuff. You know, for example, in North Carolina in Morrisville, where we where we played some matches this year, is a really great youth 
youth league, uh, triangle cricket league. And they, you know, we wouldn't have played there if they hadn't pushed for, a, you know, their own nice pitch and help take care of it and help build the facilities and, and be part of it. So it's very much a community driven sport uh, at this point, uh, along okay. with the top down stuff, we're doing building stadiums. The grassroots growth is very community driven. There's a lot of people that are keen to to grow the programs, you know, the challenges of facilities and things like that. But, you know, we, we try to support where we can and there's a lot of good people working on it. So it's really just kind of finding the, the Facebook, you know, groups and things that um, uh, cover each local area. So is there a natural progression that if that when and if, or I should say if and when you add new teams to the league, that there probably will be a team that is based, if you will, in the, the triangle area in North Carolina? Um, to be determined, you know, I, okay. I mean, we're, we're definitely going to look at expansion in, in the future. Okay. But the goal right now is to get the six teams set, get their stadiums right. in place uh, and build from there. But and that's, expansion. And that's where some of the international players that have come over can be the evangelists for you that have said, this was a really good experience here. As you said, I get to go out and have dinner and not, you know, get 47 autograph requests or that type of thing. And I got to, and I got to just, you know, kind of relax and go out and play this game that I love with, with people that I'm, that I'm friends with. And maybe I compete against in other leagues, but I get to play on the same side with them in this situation. And it's, it's just, it's kind of a neat, it's just kind of a neat thing. And, uh, and last thing I want to ask you before, before we go is where can people follow major league cricket online? And if they want to follow you online as the, as the marketing director, the vice president of marketing, who's, you know, promoting this game where can they follow you as well if they want to keep up with what what you're sharing about the game sure um yeah majorleaguecricket.com is our website and then minorleaguecricket.com for the minor league and then all the uh, all, we're on all the major social channels of course just find at mlc um on those uh pretty pretty great stream of content we have lots of highlights as well our youtube MLC Network is the YouTube, and that's got lots of great highlights from each match uh, from the past seasons. That's a really good way to sample it. Um, you know, I'm I'm certainly uh, somewhat active on on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Uh, I have a Twitter as well at at Tom Dunmore. Don't probably update that as much as I should, but um, yeah, I'm always happy to chat with anyone interested in in learning more about what we're doing as well. All right, well. Mr. Dunmore, I want to thank you for your time this afternoon. I know you've got pressing engagements coming up here. We covered just about everything that I had jotted down on my list, so that's that's Brilliant. good. We fit everything in. This has been a delight. I uh, I love you know, I love being able to share the game of Australian rules football. But I I think I think I can safely say you now have a a new cricket fan, and uh, am really enjoying sharing this as well because I've. I, I have the game up on the television in my classroom in the morning when there's not a footy game on. Uh, and uh, the kids are, they're just like trying to figure out what's going on, especially the kids who play baseball, who play baseball as well. So they're just, they're fascinated by it. So I appreciate your time well, today, sir. Love that you're embracing it. We always say grow the game one heart at a time. So I'm, I'm glad we've, we've started to win you over and um, happy to come back on here anytime. Well, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. All right, Tom, thanks so very much, sir, for taking time out of your afternoon. I know we we kind of played email tag for a couple of weeks here, but absolutely delightful conversation. I truly appreciate you taking the time uh, to sit down and talk with me, being such a neophyte to the game of cricket. Uh, but I have to tell you, 
I do absolutely enjoy it. I hope that we get the opportunity to talk again because I would love to uh, to dive into your experiences at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, something I did not get a chance to talk to you about today. Now, folks, remember, you can find everything over at my website, ayankonthefooty.com. You can get on the mailing list there. So when new episodes come out, they'll be in your inbox within about 10 or 15 minutes of when they're released. You can leave a review, which we've discussed earlier in this episode. Uh, you can help out the podcast if you want to. You can click that Buy Me a Coffee button if you'd like to do so. You can leave me a voicemail there as well. And if you've got an idea for a guest, and uh, I'm going to be starting my most memorable game episodes here very, very soon. I have about three weeks before my announcing season really begins to wind down. Uh, it's been a very busy year. Our, our, our soccer teams are playing tremendously well. Our football team, our gridiron team is playing well right now. And, uh, you know, we'll probably be playing in some of the, the tournament games later on this year. But uh, as of right now, I will, I only have, I think, two more football games, gridiron games that are scheduled to, anou- to announce. But I'll have a couple more of uh, the varsity. I have still have junior varsity and then junior high school games to still announce. But two more varsity and then probably at least one playoff game. If they win another playoff game, they'd get a second home playoff game before they would move on to another neutral location. Um, But I do want to conduct those most memorable game interviews with people again. So if you have a most memorable game, I do hope you'll reach out. Send me a note uh, to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. Send me a note over on my website. I did have a gentleman that reached out to me uh, who had a great idea. Um, And this is a gentleman by the name of Anthony. Uh, And I'm hoping that I'll hear back from him soon so I can set something up for him um, got a unique idea about uh, about a couple things that he wanted to address. So I'm, I'm looking forward to do, uh, to getting into that with him. So hopefully he'll be back in touch with me soon. But again, you can find everything over at my website. There's links to all my socials, Twitter, at Yank underscore on. Facebook, a Yank on the Footy podcast. Instagram, a Yank on the Footy. I am on LinkedIn as well. A Yank on the Footy at gmail.com is my mailing address if you want to get in touch with me there as well. Ladies and gentlemen, again... The Buy Me a Coffee button, if you want to help out the podcast and help keep the lights on, uh, that would be a huge help. Uh, again, this is a one-man band here. Um, I am planning on making that trek to Australia next footy season. Uh, I cannot wait for the fixture to come out so I can start actually firming up plans in terms of what I want to do and then start trying to make connections with uh, individuals uh, that have reached out to me over the years, uh, hoping to also reach out to clubs and being able to set up opportunities to do interviews and things of that nature with some of these different clubs, that, that sort of thing. I'm really hoping that that's going to happen while I'm there. Uh, but if you want to help out the podcast, you can certainly do that as well if you'd like to do that, and it would be greatly appreciated. Um, now, folks, you can find me on Instagram. Like I mentioned, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Check up with your friends and family. Make sure they're okay. Reach out to them. If you need to talk to somebody, don't hesitate to reach out, okay? Get in touch with somebody if you need to talk. If you're in the United States, I have numbers to all of those different types of organizations uh, in my show notes every single episode. If you're in Australia, the same. I have uh, all of those uh, contact information uh, numbers there for you as well. Please reach out and talk to somebody. And, folks, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, I have begun putting many, many more interviews onto... um, YouTube. I've been uh, taking my old interviews and uploading them there. Now, I, I kind of got a little crazy, I guess, this month because my podcast host did not want to let me upload my most recent 
preview episode with Mick Aussie because they had said I had used too much data, even though I had an unlimited data um, package for my podcast. I did some negotiating with them. I spoke to them, and, and the people at Podbean were very helpful. I'm very, very pleased. If you're ever thinking about doing a podcast, Podbean has been a wonderful, wonderful hosting site for me. They, they do a great job. There are some other ones out there as well, but I've been very happy with Podbean. And they did work with me on this because I because I ended up uploading probably 35 or 40 interviews that I've conducted in the past on there. And I have another 40 or 50 that I want to get up on there as well. Uh, and it's just when I have the opportunity to do that. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. And this has been episode 288 of A Yank on the Footy, or I guess A Yank on the Cricket, this episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. I do hope you'll share this episode with your friends and family. Hopefully you'll check out uh, MajorLeagueCricket.com or MinorLeagueCricket.com and see what this game is all about, especially if you're new to it or you've never watched cricket before. It's a hell of a lot of fun. If you're a baseball fan, I think it's a lot more action-packed. There's a lot more hitting. So if you you enjoy watching people swing the big sticks and, and hitting the ball a long way, cricket could be the game for you to check out. All right, folks. Like I said, share the episode with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye.